Welcome to Extra Sauce on the Side. I'm Samantha Denman, and we're doing our first interview episode. I'm here with my friend Tyler Thorne. Hey. We've, we've known each other since we were teenagers. What, yeah. 10 years now? I don't, I don't even remember. I it think was I was 17. At least 2010. Yeah. Because you would come down to Battle Creek when I was in the, the band with my brother and a couple friends, and it was... We didn't even have a name, but we just play, we just yeah. played music, and you just happened to come down, and then we we kind of just started talking and hanging out yeah. ever since, and and we've kept in touch just throughout college and life adventures, and um, we've got Tyler on the show today just because he took the leap to move to LA to do some awesome videography work and editing and. For some of the studios out there, and I thought it might be interesting to hear a little bit about his experience and the things that he's learned out there, both about video and life. Um, and partly because I'm a little jealous that he got to go <laughs> on such a fun life adventure, and I just decided to get married. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. <laughs> My husband yeah. is currently he's back slow there. blinking because he's used to me talking like that. Um, so. I guess we've already talked a little bit about how we met, but um, how did you get into video work? When did you start? And like, what do you like about it? Why why did you decide to do it? Because I know with photography, I kind of just happened to end up doing it. But some people like start with a dream in mind and actually do something based on that. So, yeah. So basically, back when I was in high school, Starting to get ready to go to college or around that like time frame, 16, 17. And all I wanted to do was, there were two things. Either I wanted to do movies or be in a band. And so I tried the band thing out and we really like, we really wanted to have a successful band, but it just like never really kind of stuck. And so when what I was- What kind of music did you play? Uh, we played rock and religious music. <laughs> uh, Shocker, they didn't make it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there, yeah. There was no name to yeah, the band. It never uh, got that far? No. Well, actually, we, uh, so it's, it's kind of weird because it like, my, we kind of lost my brother and we had Tim. Yeah. And then, uh, this buddy of mine, Zach, who, I met through a mutual friend of ours. Zach played bass, so then we started to like dabble in like the screamo metal stuff. But we never found a singer, so <laughs> we were just it was just just like jamming the whole time, and it was just like the Double Wars Prada, August Burns Red, just jamming. So and you were like forty year old guys jamming yeah. without a lead singer in your band. Yeah, and we we played in the, my parents' garage. And, uh, like, it was fun, but it's just nothing re- ever really So, really, off. you only had one option. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, well, and I wanted to go to, to school. I went to school in Jackson, and uh, I did the whole, like, you know, view your classes or whatever. So, I was like, okay, I'll do music performance is what I wanted to study originally. And then as I as I was getting closer to signing up for classes, I started kind of just like, well, I'll just do a bunch of gen ed classes and then I'll figure it out. 
But right when I started, I was like, I'm going to do film. Like, like the first week of school, I was like, I'm going to do film. I don't want to do music. And so then I kind of got onto that path of doing film. And I, we had like, it's, it's difficult because a lot of times when people ask me, is like film school worth it? I'm like, well, it's, it's kind of what you make it. Like, I don't, what did, what did you study? I took in? one class in high school, actually. I dual enrolled and took a, a digital photography class. And that one class really was worth it because it taught me all the basics of how to use a camera. But all of my other training was shadowing with other people, which with video, I feel like you get less experience with that because there's so much technical knowledge that you have to learn. Yeah. With a camera, it only took me one class and then you watch YouTube videos on Photoshop and now Lightroom anyone can be a photographer so yeah it's like the whole film world is kind of changing with yeah. that but it's like it's really like what you make it and it's like you can go to school and study it but if you're not like putting 1000% into it then you're not going to get 1000% out of it and for us we shot 2014 when i was a senior we shot a feature film in jackson that's on Amazon Prime now. What's it and called? It's called Love is Blind. Not okay. to be confused with the new Netflix reality Ooh. show, Love is Blind. Probably just as juicy. It, well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about this show. Love is Blind but, on Amazon Prime, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we shot it with, our budget was like 15000 Okay. And we shot it in a lot of local Jackson Area like the Jackson area, a lot of historic buildings. We shot in the historic Michigan theater right on that main drag in Jackson. Okay. And uh, it was like everybody was just so excited to have us film. We got like every location for basically free. Yeah. Except for we filmed in a bar and the bar was like, we we were like, we can only film on weekends at night. And the bar was like, well, I, that's my best. Yeah, And so I think we paid him like $1,000 to film in the bar. And then he was like, oh, and by the way, feel free to use any of the booze in the bar. And so. So you got a deal. Yeah. He gave, he gave us the key and he let us film it. And like at the end, at the end of shooting, we, we all had some beers to like celebrate. And, you know, we were respectful of like, we didn't go overboard. We had a rap party. But it was like, he, you know, the guy said, feel free to use anything and so we did a little rap party so fifteen thousand dollars is a lot of money in my mind but yes i am still that poor uh <laughs> how much is like a normal budget for a smaller movie like that smaller movie yeah let's put it in perspective um elf yeah i just watched the the breakdown for that one the movie elf was 15 million to and make that's, yeah and that's an independent budget Elf is an independent movie? Yeah, it was a that's a that's the low end of Holy fifteen cow. million. Wow. Okay. So we're in the like percentages of percentages here yeah. for your budget. Okay. Yeah, like point zero zero zero. <laughs> but we made it we made it work. People have seen it and they're like, What did you shoot that on? And we're like, Oh, there's little DSLR cameras. Like yeah. you know, like photography cameras. And it was like we didn't let anything stop us. And it was like, you just got to go out and do it. And that's, you know, I never would have expected it to be on Amazon prime. Right. And I was just like, 
the director found the the right way to do it and it's on Amazon Prime and I was just like I was blown away. Awesome. Okay. Um so you know, going through school and then you get out of school and then you got a job out of school and tell us a little bit about that and then your decision to switch from weddings and corporate work to freelancing and how you got there. Yeah. I want to know a little bit more about that. Okay. I was around for it, but they weren't. So yeah, <laughs> basically from the start, it was, I got out of college and then I got a job doing it work and I basically, can you hear that? Do we need to wait a second? or no, we... just... What, okay. what even is that? It's someone's, it's someone's engine. Car. Someone's jalopy outside. Yeah. <laughs> Word to your mother. Hope you make it over that tiny hill. All right. Anyway. So I'll back up. Right out of college. Right out of, right out of college. I got a job in IT. And so I was doing a lot of like server maintenance and stuff like that. And I worked for a company based out of Kalamazoo. But I also worked over on uh, Broadway and 7th here in Grand Rapids. And I worked in Ann Arbor. Um, and then we had an office that I also worked out of in Petoskey, right, just outside of the city. And so I would do work in all these different offices. Um, and they eventually started utilizing me doing their corporate videos and things like that. And sort of I was doing – I did I did the bond proposal video for the Hastings High School – renovation so random yeah Mm -hmm. because the company the architectural company they worked with the schools to help secure funding and the votes for improving the schools and so that was my first official corporate video was that bond video and they passed the thing and so now the city of hastings like redid their high school and i was like that was oh. kind of cool that I was a part of that, you know? Yeah, crazy that video can actually, like, make a difference in something yeah. positive and not just be entertainment. Yeah, and so eventually I started doing the whole side hustle with wedding videos. I did a music video with a, a band that is from here and Kalamazoo. It was, like, kind of mixed. Yeah, it was that folky-looking band, yeah. right? Yeah, um, they... They had one name, but now they're called The Founding. Okay. And uh, they do a lot of like stuff at in the Kalamazoo festivals, and they do a lot of stuff in Michigan, but they also are branching out of state and doing a lot of um, like traditional folk. Like bluegrass stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll link all of these name drops in the show notes, by the way. Just um, the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did a music video for them. And that I think that it was good. That got almost fifteen thousand views or something. I shared I shared it on Reddit and it kind of exploded. And I was like, "Whoa, people actually like my work." Yeah. Um, or maybe they were just so shocked that we totally destroyed that piano and buried it in a field. In uh, all I can think about is the piano when I think about that music video. Yeah, but we sh- we actually shot it over. Um, Where's the Dave Dave and Buster's? On Twenty Eighth Street. Yeah, it's. What's that? What's that city called? We shot it right over there, Kentwood. Yeah, we shot it just outside of Kentwood, 
um, in like a the honestly the house looked almost exactly like yours. Really, like, it's like spitting image. Like the entryway and the living room, really big. In case you didn't know, we live in a hundred year old house with oak trim and French doors. So <laughs> that's about all you need to know to get a picture of what our house looks like. So, yeah. But then I kind of was like, after doing all that, I kind of had a really big hankering for more. And I was just like, I'm ready to like get get bigger, like bigger projects. And my friend actually convinced me to move out to LA. And he was like, oh, my, my friend has a spot that you can move into because he's trying to move out of his apartment. So that was like the end of April in 2017. And then I was like, I'll think about it. And I was like, you know what? I'll do it. And I was just like, quit my, I put in my notice, quit my job and I drove across the country. But like the biggest, the biggest part of that was my mom was always trying to tell me, you know, you should really pay off all your student loans and save up more money and you should try and get a job before you go. And I was just like, mom, that's not really how that works. It's, it's, it's like any other industry. Like maybe that's that's how it works. I don't know. I think it is. I mean, I don't know. We're like Caleb <laughs> and I are the only ones in the world who aren't struggling with student loan debt, and that's because of my parents and the fact that Caleb dropped out of college. Honestly, I sorry. Correction, <laughs> got kicked out of college twice. Um, <laughs> so I'm actually really glad that Caleb. The only bill that Caleb consistently paid was his student loans when we weren't dating, and we only have. $500 left on them, but we are by far an anomaly. I think people yeah. just have a second mortgage in the form of student loans nowadays, and that's how it is. Yeah. But I think I, I one of my friends, he used to work for SpaceX. He just got a job in Austin. So him and his wife just moved to Austin. And I, so he's got like a normal person job. Like yeah. you go to an office and you work normal 40 person, hours a week. but like real cool because yeah. he works for space people and so (laughs) (laughs) the technical term yeah so for me like you know working as a freelancer because all the film jobs are you get hired by a company you work until the the job is over hello cat (laughs) (laughs) by the way gadgets here (laughs) you were you were you work you work till the job is over and then you have to look for a new job because you you don't work for that company like as an employee, you're a contractor. So like, imagine if like I was a construction worker, I would work on a building until it was done, and then I would move on to the next building. Basically, yeah. I I think that's how that works. But so moving moving to LA. Long story short, you you don't really get a job and then move there. You have to move there mm-hmm. and look for a job and basically hustle as hard as you can to try and figure it out and so that's what I did was moved out there and you know a lot of people yeah this is a very active neighborhood (laughs) and the dogs are just the number one reason we're leaving this house hopefully someday soon because my gosh don't ever get a dog and leave it outside 24-7. Yeah, so before we got rudely interrupted by all the dogs yeah. and the screeching cars, mm-hmm. um, you you move out to L.A. to work in film, be an actor, actress, editor, whatever. You have to move there 
and you just struggle to find work. And a lot of people don't find work right away. So it's good to save up a little bit of money. But I think I only had like $5,000. Which is what? One month's rent in LA? (laughs) Not quite, but pretty close. (laughs) And uh, so I was like, go big or go home. I'm going to find something. And I found a job within three days of moving there. And I was working on a commercial but I wasn't working in post-production. I was working in production. Okay. And basically everyone starts out as a PA. You learn the lingo. You do all this stuff. And I was just like doing the PA thing. And I just, just wasn't for me. Like yeah. just the, you know, moving up the ladder that way, which just, I did not enjoy it at all. And I didn't really get as much fulfillment as I did working in post and so then I became a post PA because naturally every department has its own PA or in intern probably isn't the best word because you're getting paid for it right well barely you should get paid as an intern but you know so you were you were a PA for post a post PA yep okay and so what that basically entails is you manage a lot of um, backing up footage and doing just like the general basic boring work. Okay, so like file storage and stuff like that? Yep. Okay. And then um, my first place that I worked at actually started pushing me towards being an assistant editor. Okay. And so I was learning how to use the programs and everything. Um, but eventually that that company lost, lost its... Uh, deal with a major fighting company okay. because of a purchase through another company. We'll a, keep it, a merger yeah. of some sort. We'll and keep it vague. Flavor. Yeah. Okay. But the, the Mickey Mouse corporate. <laughs> the, uh, so you lost your job of, of no responsibility of your own. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so um, eventually I found another job, which was working for a company that, did Discovery Channel shows. Okay. And so that was my first step. I I knew how to do the job, but the last company didn't didn't give me the position name. Okay. So I gave it to myself and okay. I said, I know what I'm doing. This I've you know, my last position was this. Yeah, it was at this level. Yeah. Okay. And so because a lot of it's sometimes when you're first starting out, companies don't want to because I wasn't asking for a raise or anything. I just was like, I just want a title bump. Because yeah. it'll make it easier to find a job later. Yeah. And I was doing the work, so I just said, I'm an assistant editor. Yeah. And then I was jumping into that, and then I got that first big credit, and I was like, okay, now I don't have to go around saying, you know, I'm an assistant editor, even though my title was post-PA. And uh, Now you're legit. Yeah, I'm legit. Yeah. So... That was like the big step. And that was actually a pretty big breaking point because I had like, I lost my job and then uh, some unfortunate life circumstances happened. And then I was, I had $20 in my pocket and I was like, this is my time to shine. If I don't get it, I don't get it. And I got to go back home. And so it was just like, oh, almost like sort of, the most Hail Mary situation you could ever think of. Yeah. You know, I'm back in Michigan. 
um, taking care of family. And then I take the train into Chicago to fly back to LA. And I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I get a phone call and I'm like about to get on the plane. And the guy's like, can you come in for an interview? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. When can you do it? And I was like, how does tomorrow sound? He goes, great. See you tomorrow. Yeah. And that one's just like, you know, throwing that Hail Mary down the field and you score the game winning touchdown. And that's, I just was through the roof, just ecstatic. So in the video world, I don't know if you're allowed to slash want to talk about this, but maybe talk a little bit about how working for the Discovery Network is a real like door opener. Um, Just from conversations we've had because they've got so many channels and because they've got so many big programs. um, Just explain a little bit why that was a really big opportunity for you. Yeah. So what they, what they like to do is the networks will hire post-production companies to um, edit their shows. So there will be, for the most part, it's usually the same company, but sometimes there's an offshoot. Um, And when you work for a a big network like the Discovery Channel or National Geographic, a lot of times they want you to have worked on a Discovery Channel or National Geographic show. And you're like, well, how can I work on your show? How can I get a job working on one of those shows if I don't have a job working on one of those shows in the past? So it's like when people take those risks on you, and you get that that credit. It's like, okay, now I can, I'm I'm able to do it. And you know, because you have worked on that show, they're more likely to hire you because you have experience working in their sort of um, workflow. Okay. So uh, is it does it also open doors to other networks because they see that you've worked with a big name like that? Yeah. Um. Like a lot of times they're like, oh, okay, like. The more reputable, like your like company is that you've done shows for, the the better you you are. Okay. So like, you know the the you got the big ones, like Discovery, Nat Geo, Disney, whatever, and they'll look at that and be like, okay, so you've worked on some stuff, um, and they'll they're they're more trusting because it looks better. Yeah. And whereas if you were like. You did shows for I don't know Quibi, which you know didn't no really shade, but hella shade didn't really make it. No, I mean it was they it's, shot their shot. Yeah, and so it's just like something that new. People are a little more hesitant because they don't they don't know what the workflow is for that company, and they don't they don't know their hiring style. So it's okay. It could be a, a mixed bag. You know, it could be really great or could this AE could not be great. And so you, you just, you're just, there's a lot more at stake when you get to this level because it's a lot of money. It's a lot of time. And if someone messes up, that's, it's going to be a big problem. Like, yeah. Cause a lot of people are going to see it. Yeah. It's the, yeah. The difference between this level and doing like me doing wedding videos and music videos is when I do the wedding videos and the music videos, it's me doing everything. And if I goof up, then I just fix it and eat it. You know, like it's going to like time 
it's going to cost me time. And, you know, whereas if I had to hire somebody and pay them and I were to goof up, then it's like, it's going to cost time and money. And it's like, not, it's not going to be good. And so when you get into the Hollywood level, everything gets passed off to different people. It's not just one person. You could have a hundred people and they all have their own one specific job. And so if it gets passed on the line and you get to the point where the lead editor is about to start taking a crack at things and it's all messed up, you're, you're paying a lot of money for a lead editor to fix something that they probably shouldn't be fixing. Cause it gets exponentially worse every time. And it's like the, the rate of money per hour is three to 10 times higher. Okay. Versus an AE fixing it. Okay. And so it's like the lead editors should get the stuff and focus on the creativity okay. part of it. And then, um, take care of it that way because that's what they're getting paid for. And usually they try and the fixing, cause an AE is going to be trying to prep the project for them and get the footage ready and create sequence sequences for them, B-roll sequences, whatever. And so it's like, you're doing a lot of the sort of initial legwork. Okay. And they're kind of the unsung heroes of like the TV and film industry and they're the ones that make sure everything is flowing and running properly okay and then the editor does the creative stuff because they've been doing it for years and so it's you know you you're trying to figure out solutions to problems without having to spend loads and loads of money or spend less loads of money yeah okay yeah so it's, it's there's loads of money either way in the film industry but. yeah at least where you're at. Um, so let's talk a little bit about where you're at now. And then I'd love to hear just maybe some advice for people who are constantly looking for jobs. Um, and just the nature of that, especially because right now half the world is looking for a job. Um, and, and you've been a real reassurance to me when I've been unemployed of how not of a big deal it is. And so I'd love to share some of that perspective with people. So let's start just a little bit of. You're comfortable now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which well, is yeah. as comfortable as you can be. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, I guess, right, just going to write what I'm doing. Like, well, right? what you're doing now and okay. and maybe you could like, do some perspective on how that's a little different of what you did done in the past. Yeah. So, like, so right now I, I'm actually, I just got pulled into a new company and we are doing a lot of new shows, working on some new shows and um getting it's it's getting to the point now where work finds me versus me finding the work, mm -hmm. which is like it's a really great spot to be in. Yeah. Because um when you're starting out, you're just always looking for that next job and it's like you're just hustling and hustling. It's like you you honestly are working 24/7 because you if you're not working, you're looking for work. Yeah. And when you are working, you're too busy to try and set things up for your next thing because it's just taking all of your time and energy and then you basically have to 
wait until you're not working to find more work because it's just that constant cycle of just almost overworking yourself. Right. This wave of back and forth. It's a lot like being self-employed where if you're not actively on a job, you're looking for more jobs. Yeah. And eventually you'll get to the point where your, your, um, your rap sheet, so to speak, is so deep that people kind of know who you are. Yeah. Cause I'll get, I'll get introduced to producers and I'll be like, Oh, we've already worked on a HGTV show together. And then they're like, Oh, well, nice. And so it's like, they, they know who I am. So they're just like, yeah, we'll just take Tyler. We'll take him again. Yeah. That's awesome. And And that happens in my world too, where, where word gets around and then eventually it starts coming back to you and it happens quicker than you think it does. Yeah. It just requires a couple years or months, depending on your circumstances of literally working 24 seven, like you said. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of it is just like, here's, here's the thing that's crazy is like people, people always focus so hard on like being the, the best or like being whatever. But the biggest thing is just being someone that gets along with people. Cause it's like, you're working like nonstop with these people I would much rather have a person who doesn't know a lot, but is really friendly and willing to be like, I goofed up. Yeah. Or can you show me how to do this? And it's like, I'm way more willing than to work with them than I am to work with someone who's like a know-it-all, like I'm the God's gift to humanity. And, and they, they get really emotional when you tell them something's not right. Or it's just like... You just want to be able to be comfortable with the people you're around. Yeah. And it's it's like when you can't be comfortable around those people, it's really stressful. Yeah. And so it's like it's like one of those things that I would I would just like I would rather hire someone who is easy to work with than someone who knows everything. Because yeah. like, yeah, you they know everything, but it's like you know, even with a regular job, 40 hours a week in the same office with the same people, it's like, sometimes it is frustrating, but it's, you want to be with the people who at the end of the day have the best interest for you and themselves in mind. And they're just positive, upbeat people. And I think you end up with the best projects that way too, because it, it fosters a space for creativity and collaboration that you don't have when someone's got a big ego. Yeah. And, and they just take the lead and do the whole project themselves. Yeah. That's definitely (laughs) preferable. Yeah. So it's like this company that I'm at now is very much like that, very much like a family small. And I'm just like, Oh, was one time I unplugged the wrong drive and I called the post supervisor was like, dude, I messed up. I'm sorry. And he goes, no sweat, bro. Like, <laughs> chill out. You know, like the most, like imagine, like, bro, I'm going surfing later. No sweat. Just like, like the most California, calm. like super chill. And I was like, all right. Which I imagine is- in the film industry isn't that common because most of those people aren't from California. They're not California surfers. Yeah. Well, it's, it's pretty high strung. It's like a lot of, it's like, you know, it's almost like open heart surgery to some people and it's a little intense. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, it's like when you find those people who are like, it's like the culture. 
Yeah. If you find a place that has a good culture, like the the company I'm at now, they gave me a Christmas present. I've never gotten anything from. Yeah, especially as a freelancer, you're yeah. like you're super lonely when the holidays come because everyone gets their paid time off and or they have their a Christmas office, bonus office and you, Christmas party. And yeah, you're like my office Christmas party is me opening a bottle of Merlot in my <laughs> pajamas at my house, celebrating my roommates being gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like when you find that place, it's like you do everything you can to stay there because yeah. they take care of you and it it doesn't happen often, but it is it is very like it's like it's really important and like that's that's what every like that's what every business sh- should yeah, aspire to be like and that's what every freelancer should look for and you know, a lot of these businesses just take advantage of people. Yeah. And some people like I'm going to stand up for myself when someone does does me dirty. Yeah. And like I I'm very selective when I take jobs now because I'm like I, you know, I do I want to drive 3 hours to Santa Monica every day to go to work for the same amount of money that I could drive 5 minutes to Universal Studios. Yeah. And it's like no, I don't I don't really want to do that. And it's like I also don't want to do like all this other crappy work that yeah. you know the company doesn't really want me to or like they don't want to pay somebody else to do it's like i don't want to be overworked to the point where i'm like slowly killing myself welcome back everyone i know you missed us for the however long we were gone uh <laughs> We are here with Tyler Thorne talking about um, his journey into the world of Hollywood and video and L.A. and taking life risks. And I thought it might be cool for him to share a little bit of insight on how he managed, first of all, the stress and the constant transition of looking for a job every time your job ends. So if you have any insight or funny stories or advice... Or tips on where to get good craft beer in L.A. because that's not a thing there. All of these things are appreciated. Yeah, so basically whiskey was the, the thing that got me through the... Okay. <laughs> Any preferred no. brand? Um, no. Uh, so basically, I mean, like what we were talking about earlier was like finding finding the place where you fit. Yeah. It was like a lot of it was friends. Okay. And it's like... LA, maybe New York, maybe Chicago too, but LA is a very unfriendly town. Okay. Because you're competing with everybody. Yeah, you're competing with everybody. And when you meet someone new, the thought always in the back of your mind is is this person really trying to be my friend or are they trying to use me? Okay. And so a lot of it is just finding the right people who don't really care about what you do. Like they don't care that you're in film. They may work in film too, but it's like, they don't, they don't really, they have no means of using you or anything like that. And they, they don't want to, like they're genuine people. Yeah. And, um, I would say that a lot of my friends in LA have been like the big driving force, um, in keeping me sane and, you know, making sure that I'm okay. Like, uh, unfortunately, due to some unfortunate circumstances, one of my best friends 
actually had to leave LA and move back to Detroit, but we still FaceTime like every day. And, you know, he's, he's always, um, checking in with me and I'm checking in with him. You know, we're, we're comfortable with talking about like how we feel, like how something makes us feel or, you know, we make fart jokes. Yeah. (laughs) And so, so like a high quality friendship and community in a place that doesn't have a lot of that. Yeah. Do you have any like suggestions even for just making friends as an adult? Because I know it's really hard to find people, especially like that's the one reason I would be terrified to move is to make new friends in a new city. Yeah. It's um so here's kind of what I what I do. I call so I have this thing where if I go to a bar alone People are always like, that's so depressing. And I'm like, no, it's not. Because I do this thing called new friend for the night. Okay. Meaning I make a new friend at the bar. Yeah. And it's not, they're not going to be like a lifelong friend. Right. But it's like, they're going to be someone that I can talk to. I can learn about and I can enjoy my time. I try and I do that every so often. And like one of the things, okay, this is, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I, when I was moving out to LA, I went to this place called Barizona, uh, just outside of the Grand Canyon in Arizona is a drive through zoo. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, the bartenders there were like super nice and I got to talk to them and got, got to get to know them a little bit. Yeah. And they said, we're not supposed to tell anybody this, but Guy Fieri's coming to the restaurant today and he's filming. So and you just so, hung out. Yeah. So I just hung out at the, the zoo and I got to meet Guy Fieri and I was like, it was like me and like three other people in the, in the zoo. Like they had a restaurant bar Yeah, and they were like, we're, we're actually closing down in a couple minutes for him to shoot. It was like three, me and like this other, this gentleman and a lady who appeared to be regulars there Yeah, because they knew all the people there as well. So I was just like. And that happened just by talking to strangers. Yeah. And it's, you know, it is, it is hard because when you get, when you're a kid, you can just walk up to someone and say, you like fire trucks. I like fire trucks. You know, let's be friends. Yeah. And as an adult, like that doesn't necessarily work. So you kind of have to, there's, there's, it does work in a way, but not really. There's, you know, you kind of have to do it a little differently, but it's just like, if you're a good friend to other people, they'll be good friends back to you. And they'll, they'll, they'll see like, if you're genuine and you're honest, cause it's like, there are some people who like, they were like, Oh, I don't want to be friends with Tyler. Like, yeah. but then we get talking and they get to know me and I'm, you know, I do things for them and they go, wow, I really enjoy being friends with Tyler. And it's like, you know, I appreciate them. Yeah for what they do in my life. And I know that they appreciate what I do for them. And yeah. the biggest way in LA to get a, uh, to make a friend is if someone says, I need a ride to LAX, you go, I'll drive you. You'll make a best friend for life. <laughs> yeah. Cause nobody wants to do that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Noted. If you move to LA, be offering rides to everyone, especially when you're freelancing. Cause you'll have spare time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. So community helped you a lot. Um did you face a lot of rejection when you were doing job interviews and going out there and putting yourself out there? 
Um, rejection wouldn't be the right word. Okay. More of they just wouldn't get back with you. Okay. You just you send out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails, fake, Facebook messages, uh, staff me up messages, whatever, and it's just like you, you just don't hear back from anyone. Okay. And so you never know if they actually got it or if they read it or what. But then sometimes uh, you'll get an email from a random person and they'll be like, I have your resume here. And you're just like, how? Because <laughs> it got passed from someone to someone else. Or you forget that you emailed them like three years ago and then they're like, I have your resume here. And they, they're like, yeah, it was really great working with you. And I was like, I've never worked with this person before. But they go life. through so much staff that they yeah. don't know. Um, But it is, it's like, it is nice when they they look at it, especially when it's your old resume, and it's like you don't even know the stuff I've been working on. Yeah, but it is nice when they're like, "Yeah, we're excited to have you," and so it's just it's just nice to to actually get replies. Yeah, because most of the time, it's you don't you don't hear a lot of no's. You just hear a lot of nothing. Yeah, and which so, is almost worse. Yeah, because it's like. I, I can take someone saying no to me. Like, yeah. It's not going to hurt my feelings. But it's like, is hello? Is anybody, <laughs> is anyone there? Yeah. So I know you've had some friends who've had to come home for family reasons and other things, but you've had, you've made some friends in LA and some have been successful and some <laughs> haven't been successful. What would you say is one of the main differences between you moving forward in LA and your friends who haven't necessarily moved forward. And I'm not trying to throw shade, just some, some key success points there. Yeah. I would say like, not even just friendship level, but everyone who, because LA is very, very much a, they use the term revolving door. Yeah. Uh, I think that's because people come in and people go and it's very consistently people coming in and leaving. Um, And a lot of people, look at it and they say, oh, like, I grew up in a small town in the middle of nowhere. And I was the the number one singer, actor, camera operator in my town of 2,000 people. And because they hit that sort of success in their small town, they're like, I'll come to LA and I'll make it big. Yeah. And then they don't realize that there's thousands and thousands of the same type of person with the same, if not better, skills or talents, what have you, that are applying for the same job. Like yeah. when I go on to staff me up, it's like it tells you how many people have applied to the same job. And it's like 257 people have applied for this job. And I'm like, well, I hope I get it. <laughs> and like, it's just a lot of it has to do with going the extra mile, but not being taken advantage of. Yeah. And being able to put in the work and be consistent and just don't give up. Yeah. It's like when, you know, when I first started, it's to just put it into sort of current perspective when when i lost my job on another show because of you know this sickness going around 
Oh yes, I had to. Sickness. I had to uh, get on unemployment to kind of make sure that I wouldn't run out of money. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you you shouldn't feel ashamed of getting on unemployment. It's like it's there for you to help you. Like you're paying money into a bank account, and it's your money that you're putting into it. Um, and that's like you never ever should feel ashamed because of that because you know life happens and it's really important but so with that being said going to unemployment everyone was having issues with getting their unemployment started and i was one of those people and i i like to call this uh i'm going to shawshank somebody okay because in the movie the shawshank redemption this is it's probably a little bit of a spoiler, but it's not like a major. If you haven't seen Shawshank Redemption by now, who cares about you? Is what I've got to say about that. <laughs> um, in the movie, he's trying to get books for the prison library, mm-hmm. and so Andy Dufresne writes a letter. Um, I can't remember if it's a letter every day or a letter every week, and he sends a letter to the government saying we would like money for the library and he sends it for like months Mm -hmm. and then they go here is two thousand dollars for the prison library please stop sending us letters and he goes well you know what that means and then they go what he goes i need to send two letters every day because that's not enough yeah because it's like what I was doing to get unemployment was I was Shawshanking them. Yeah. And people were having issues getting a hold of them. So I would call every hour of every day. And I was able to get a hold of someone within a week. And I got it all sorted out. And people in the film Facebook groups were like, how do I get a hold of someone? And I was like, you have to, you have to advocate for yourself. Never give up and keep pushing because... It's like if you only call once and you give up, it's going to be like you're not going to get through. Now, granted, trying to get a hold of the unemployment office is a little different than trying to apply for a job. Like if you you got to it's a you got to like teeter the tightrope a little because yeah. you don't want to send your resume every single day because then they'll put you on like a list and then never you know, talk to you. And then you won't be able to go to airports anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um so, but it does require some of the same persistence, yeah, right? And I like, think when you're in a town full of talented people or any situation full of talented people, the person who tries the hardest for the longest is usually the one who wins in one way or another. And I think you've shown that that persistence is what makes a difference. Instead of complaining about it all the time, you just do what needs to be done. Oh, that makes me feel so good. <laughs> well, it it was really encouraging to me. Tyler was there. The first time I got laid off was from my dream job. I worked at an ad agency and I was just heartbroken and so prideful and did not want to take unemployment. And And Tyler was like, why? It's there for that exact reason, to help you find a position where you won't need to be on unemployment. It's there to support you while you're figuring your life out. And especially in the world of California, the that's just the nature of the beast. You finish your job, you go back on unemployment, you use up a couple of your weeks and then you get another job and then you open a new case. And that's, that's one thing about the industry that I love. That's super healthy because the actual industry itself doesn't support you having a full-time 
all the time job. And then you're finally to a point where you have some consistency, but you've learned that life doesn't stay the same forever. And even if you do find your dream job, chances of you being there for the rest of your life are pretty slim. So you have to learn how to face that rejection and deal with life as it comes. So you've had to live that way for a long time now. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Okay. You got any uh, fun LA stories that we need to hear? Some homeless people things? Any like kitschy people telling you have an accent or anything? No, not. I mean, I'm like Midwest friendly and that scares people, but that's pretty. (laughs) Does it scare people? Yeah. They're like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm just nice. Because <laughs> you talk to strangers and are polite. Yeah. Although the biggest thing, though, is whenever people say, like, oh, you're from Michigan, it must be cold there. And it's like, well, it's only cold in the winter. In the summertime, it's hot. Yeah, it's, it's like really that. nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, one of the biggest issues I hear that you have in L.A. is that you can't find Oberon on Oberon Day. Have you finally found the solution for that? You know, I haven't. Um so I've been like trying to find it like every day. And so I just like, I just celebrate Oberon day, like metaphorically <laughs> and I'll drink like as many wheat beers as I can. Other wheat beers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just wishing that they were Oberons. It's, it's not the same. It's not, not nearly as good. Like LA's beer scene. Like there's a lot of breweries in the LA area, but I wouldn't say they com- compare to West Michigan. You know, with like the big, the big hitters here. Yeah. Um, And I've started kind of actually going more towards the San Diego breweries. Okay. Because, you know, you go NorCal, Napa Valley, wine country, but San Diego is where all the breweries are. Okay. So I, uh, I've really been enjoying some of the San Diego breweries that have opened up a few shops in LA. Okay. Um, my favorite one being the Modern Times Dankness Dojo. I mean, with a name like that, how can you go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't been there in a while, obviously, because of current situations. But it's a kind of like hip little place. They got like the lettering with the, the marquee style bulbs in it and stuff. And they got like AstroTurf on the walls and like the wood. It's like, it's really cool. It's in like the kind of near the financial district of downtown LA, not too far from the Staples Center, but it's like a cool little spot and feels like a place you could call home. Maybe not quite, but it is. <laughs> Speaking of, uh are you planning on staying in LA forever? What do you want to do in the future? I mean, pipe dream goals wise, what's your ideal situation? Um for yeah, for living conditions I don't have any long-term plans right now, so I'm just kind of taking it as I go. Okay. But eventually, though, like, I want to run my own production company and, you know, transition out of working for these companies and running my own. Um, And a lot of that is just, I'm still doing the wedding stuff. I'm still doing the music video stuff, filming the documentary videos with wayland yeah um he's gonna film a music video for my husband's band strange nights now we can link him in the podcast well second episode what what it's more of um 
They're gonna. They're, I prov- I I pitched the idea of yeah. the music video. There's no song yet. No, they haven't the, written the song. No they're song. writing it for you. <laughs> That, yeah, yeah, that I know of. Well, when we when I pitched it, there was no song. Yeah, and so um, I gave uh, Caleb and Riley the the concept and the story, and I said, "This is the goal. This is my goal with this music video." And so I basically set it out and kind of you know pitched it to them, and they really dug the idea of it, you know, and it was like. What we do with the music video, the plan is to have the band come through the whole project. And yeah. so, like, you know, bringing them along with it. And they, they were, like, interested in it. Yeah. And so, ultimately, what we would use is we'd use the music video as a pitch material, proof of concept, to do... You, you either do, like, a crowdsourced, crowdfunding kind of style thing, or you could take it to a network or a company or someone and say, this is what we did with, with no money, with no money. And we have a goal of turning this piece into a full movie. Okay. And so we're basically gonna indie film style, like Robert Rodriguez style, like rebel without a film crew go in with as little money as possible, create this music video because it's it's not going to be a 120 minute film. Right. It's going to be 5 6 whatever. And we're going to There's gonna, no music yet, so we don't yeah. know how long it's going to be. Okay. And we're going to have the the music video be intercut with narrative pieces. Okay. of snippets of the full film. And then that way they can look at it and say this is what he did, you know, he executed it this is the look this is the style you know he's got a a band attached to it and because that's like the big thing is is like getting the band attached and basically with the when you're pitching things a lot of times the more names you have attached to something the more likely they are to fund your project so that's kind of how we're trying to take it okay awesome Okay, well, we went from having a 20-minute episode to having a two-hour episode, so you're welcome. Um, (laughs) And I'm having a great time, so I'm a little sad to cut it off, but I think we'll probably be done for this time. Um, Thank you for making time for this while you're in town. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. We always try to see each other when Tyler's in town, but sometimes it doesn't work out. So Um, if you want to follow Tyler on socials, what what are your thingies? Yeah, you can follow. Everything is Tyler Cinema. It's really easy. Um, The YouTube channel is my name, but you can go to youtube.com slash Tyler Cinema. And we'll link all of those things in the show notes too, so you have those. And then I am at Samantha Ruth Photos on Instagram, and that's where I'm the most responsive. So if you want to talk about anything, if you have an idea for a podcast episode, or if you want to tell your story and you have something cool to talk about, shoot me a message. I love hearing about those things. Um. I think that's all we've got. I want to say thank you to our sexy sound engineer, who's now the color of a pink rose back there. (laughs) Um, And to everyone who has listened so far, um, and to Gadget for keeping us company while we talk. So we're going to go try to find some covered dining outside, and we'll see you next time. Luba, luba, luba.
Woo woo.